Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to our program. My name is Ellie Nieves and I'm a woman's leadership speaker, writer, and coach. I'm also the founder and president of Leadership Strategies for Women. And through my speaking and coaching programs, I help individuals and organizations to develop leadership skills and set strategic goals that will help them to achieve their vision for success. For more information, you can visit my webpage at www.leadershipstrategiesforwomen.com. The title of our show today is the Emerging Women's Leaders Toolbox. Our guest today is no stranger to you. He's been on the show twice before. His name is Miguel de Jesus. Miguel was born and raised in New York's Lower East Side, and he attained his Master's in Business Administration from Columbia University. He has over 38 years of experience leading organizations to high levels of productivity and achievement. He's a coach and a mentor to many business leaders, and he's also my favorite guest, Miguel de Jesus. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ellie. Thank you and uh, for that gracious introduction. <laughs> so, Miguel, let's cut to the chase. Uh, many of our listeners are emerging women leaders who are striving to take their careers to the next level. What are three tools that they need in their toolbox to begin paving their way to the next level? It's a great question. Uh, a couple of things I, I, I may uh, over-deliver and, and, and talk about a few uh, different things, but let me start with the first one that has to do uh, what needs to be in the toolbox. The first one's got to be a, a proven track record of success and performance in their uh, current and prior assignments. Uh, one of the things that uh, I find uh, essential and uh, in discussions with people is sometimes they want to assume greater responsibility but haven't performed in current assignment. Mm-hmm. So one of the foundational elements that needs to exist in the toolbox is a proven track record, again, of performance. And uh, you don't need to be a superstar and walk on water, but you need to be a person that is dependable, reliable, can be counted upon, and can deliver on the expectations in their current assignment. So mm-hmm. that would be the, the first thing that I would say has to be in the um, quiver, if you will, one of the arrows in the quiver. Uh, the second thing that I find essential uh, for both promotability and basically getting along in any assignment has to do with great soft skills. And under soft skills, I include the ability to communicate effectively, both in good times and in stressful times, um, both in writing and verbally with your either target audience, your associates, your teammates, or those people that may in fact report to you. Uh, There's also a very important uh, reason uh, for that is if you are wanting to reach the executive level suite in any organization, private or public, it becomes important to have a decent, strong vocabulary uh, to be able to communicate. Mm One of the other things that I find, Ellie, that's uh, important is it helps to have a a sense of humor. Now, that one sometimes could be a little risky. As you know, sometimes things happen, Mm -hmm. and you go into areas that you shouldn't go into, so you've got to be careful on the type of humor that you introduce. But levity in the environment, levity in the conversation, always tends to be a good component because it helps to keep people engaged Mm -hmm. but relaxed. Uh, I'm sure you've experienced that in your career. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no one likes to uh, be led or to follow someone who can't handle a, a stressful situation or a pressure-filled moment without mm-hmm. uh, breaking down. <laughs> right. And that becomes important because it's like follow the leader. You remember that game when we played when mm-hmm. we were younger? 
Um, people tend to observe those people in positions of power, uh, whether whether it's in the position title that they hold, or you can have positional power by not having any title. You can be a individual contributor without leadership responsibilities, but others look to you in a leadership role, unofficially, of course, mm-hmm. and look to you for answers. So it becomes important um, to be able to handle the stress and pressures of the job. So I think I've covered four, and I've got maybe one or two other things that I think are significantly important arrows to have in your quiver. I think this is the fourth one, maybe the fifth. Uh, I think <laughs> I, you covered two. Two? Okay, yeah, then you it's mentioned the, third. the proven track record, and you mentioned the great uh, soft skills. Yep, and then you've got to have uh, sponsorship, I believe. Mm-hmm. And sponsorship has to do with having a mentor. Uh, who is both recognized as a contributor and the leader in the organization. Now, mentorship uh, becomes important because they serve to guide you. They serve to give you, hopefully, honest feedback, uh, which means that you as the mentee need to uh, be very clear and be very um, thoughtful in the relationship that you establish with the mentor. And uh, you, you just can't, you can select the mentor, but the mentor has to agree to, to be your mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, so that becomes important in any organization, regardless of size, to have people who know, like, and trust you, and more importantly, respect you for what you're doing, who are willing to invest in you and give of their time to mentor you sh- through the organization, uh, the opportunities, and, and give you great guidance on your next logical steps. Mm-hmm. So, so sponsorship becomes important, Ellie. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. And as you were sharing, it reminded me of a woman that I just recently coached and encountered uh, regarding a situation that she was in at work where she comes in early, uh, leaves a little late, but she doesn't engage anyone, and she tends to just do what's required of her. She doesn't go above and beyond. Uh, But because she'd been in her job for several years, she thought she was entitled to a promotion because she had been there for so long. And I think that your examples are really indicative of it's not just enough to show up. You can't just show up. You have to be there. You have to engage. You have to also have a good sense of humor, which is one of the things that she doesn't have. She just tends to stick to herself and be very quiet throughout her day, Mm -hmm. just doing her work. And she could move mountains quietly, but no one's going to know because she's not engaging anybody. She's just doing what's required of her. She's not going above and beyond. And you really need to step it up if you expect to get to the next level in your career. You're, you are absolutely correct. And, um, and that's where your coaching, which is the fourth element, uh, everyone needs a coach. I mean, you take a person uh, in any profession, especially in sports, you see people who hire coaches to help them with their form, with their technique, uh, with their execution, and more importantly, with their feedback. Mm-hmm. And um, you see that a lot in sports. You see it a lot in, in, in any profession uh, because everyone does need a coach. Um, you know, you have peer reviews uh, if you happen to be a writer or a teacher or in some professions. You've got um, uh, associations, uh, professional organizations that serve as checkpoints to make sure that people are on top of their game. You have ongoing certifications that are required of certain professions like doctors, dentists, and and lawyers. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, CPAs is another profession that requires ongoing certification 
and professional series training usually every 12 to 18 months. Now, why is that? Well, in order to stay on top of your game, you've got to be able to do that, and the way you do that is by having a coach or attending workshops, seminars, etc. So uh, in, in, I would say the fourth component, Ellie, is everyone needs a coach, regardless of where they are, and you absolutely need a coach if you are wanting to get a new career, a new job, a promotion, or seeking to start your own business. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just find it, it helps connect the thought dots uh, much quicker and it saves you a lot of money in the long run because you don't spend money needlessly trying to get to where you need to get to. Mm-hmm. And also, I think that some people find it challenging to find a mentor, and if you can't find a mentor, then investing in a coach, I think, is the best alternative. Here you have someone who you're paying to spend an hour, maybe a week or once a month or however you set up your contract with your coach, uh, you know, to focus on you and your career path exclusively. Absolutely. And I think that it's a great alternative for people to consider if they can't find a mentor internally in their companies. You are you are very, very correct, and, and I think it's um, – if you pay attention to those four or five things that I just mentioned, it will help prevent what's what happens to many people is that they get derailed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they get derailed because basically they didn't have a good blueprint, a good format. They didn't have um, someone to guide and coach them. You know, you mentioned the individual that you uh, know that you work with and have coached. Uh, who has probably earned uh, the respect for her mastery in a specific area, but what she has failed to understand is promotability mm-hmm. also is uh, encouraged or supported by your ability to be respected by others, mm-hmm. not only in terms of technical competency, but in your relationships. Right. And uh, I didn't use the word relationships before uh, because sometimes in business that's not a term that's used. But it's a very significant portion of, of development that is important to understand because when you're in a leadership role, you have to depend on others to execute at a very high level. Mm-hmm. And it is exceptionally helpful for them to know you not only as a business professional, but also understand your values, uh, your commitments, and, and a number of the other soft areas that are important in a leadership role. Mm-hmm. And I think that you made a great point as well when you were talking about having the great soft skills and you talked about communicating with people at different levels, whether it's your colleagues or your boss. So can you tell us what are some of the things that um, emerging leaders should consider when they're communicating across their organizations? Uh, absolutely. Um, um, uh, now, if, if in fact you're... Um, working in the areas of um, Ellie of, of communication, let me just work on that for just to explore that just a little deeper. So, if in fact you're, first of all, you should be pretty expressive in any organization of what your goals, desires, and wishes are. And I don't mean that in a in a in a braggadocious uh, type of way or in an arrogant type of way, but simply sh- spending time writing down your goals and objectives, sharing that not only with your boss, but sharing it with peers and sharing it with people that might work for you, depending on what level you are. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because the message that you communicate, the message uh, to your associates, helps in terms of promotability because they will then know um, of your short-term and long-term goals and help give you feedback along the way, sometimes unsolicited, (laughs) 
hopefully it's all in a good fashion and in good spirit, but they do uh, volunteer along the way. And if they don't, um, if you have good relationships with them, you might want to invite them to what I call the inner circle of communication and ask them in a very private way you know, to give you feedback from time to time on what you say, what your thought process is, and whether it's something that you can uh, work on and develop, and develop on the job. So consistency in a high-trust environment becomes important uh, not only for the individual contributor but also for those around you to be able to help and guide you. Um, a, a great um, uh, uh, situational question that, um, that a candidate should always answer for themselves is, what is the environment that I find myself in and, and or the agency that I work in is the environment one that is conducive to individual growth? Mm-hmm. Can I feel as an individual that I can be open and candid in my communications, mm-hmm. or do I need a different approach or perhaps even a different company in order to achieve my objectives? Does, does that make sense, uh, Ellie? Absolutely, and I think that the one clear message to me that's coming across in everything that you're sharing is that approaching your career requires a higher level of thinking. It's not just enough to show up, like we were talking about before about my example. It's not enough to show up and do your work. You really have to be strategic in how you plot, how you relate to people, how you communicate with them, how you go about doing your work. There's just a a bird's-eye view that you have to take of your organization and how you fit within your organization so that you can be of more value and be, like I said, strategic about where you're going next. Absolutely. Um, One of the questions, uh, the question that you asked me, I think, uh, had uh, revolved around you know, how can an emerging leader uh, begin to train him or herself to, to think like a boss. I think uh, that's where you were going in terms of the questions. And one of the things that that I would recommend anybody to do is to volunteer to be the boss or to think like a boss. Um, we talk about leadership thinking. We talk about, uh, in a broader sense, thought leadership. Um, because thought leadership, by definition, doesn't have a title to it and is very broad. Sometimes you've got to uh, engage yourself in the area of thought leadership, which means if you participate in a team meeting, it is not good enough to sit there without making contribution, without being a part of the team, without being open to feedback, without being open to shifting your thinking when, int- when new information is introduced that requires you p- possibly to shift your thinking. Because that shows flexibility. That shows that you respect other people's opinions. So in, in something as simple as a team meeting, or let me take it even to a, to, to a much more simpler uh, situation, if there happens to be a lunchroom or you go out to lunch with team members, how willing are you to shift your position without yielding on being principled, because every mm-hmm. now and then there are principles that are non-violatable, Mm-hmm. But but you do have to, in fact, be open to new information that is consistent, that is more current, that has impact on your current thought processes. So are you capable of shifting and making adjustments to your thinking when new information um, demonstrates that you should shift and change and alter your thinking in a way mm-hmm. to be more consistent with problem solving? Right. That's the first time I've used that term, problem solver. So, <laughs> so do people view you as a problem solver or a problem contributor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, very simple answer. And, and, and if I were 
working with any of your clients or as you work with your clients, I'm sure you've asked them, you know, do you have people that you know, like, trust, and respect mm-hmm. that would be honest with you and give you feedback? Right. Right. So along the, the, the same lines that we were discussing before, how is communicating with your manager different than communicating with a colleague? <laughs> oh, Ellie, that's a great question. I, in my experience, um, communicating with a colleague depending on the relationship that you bring to the organization, because that's up to you, may be a little different, but not totally different, maybe a little different, because you can probably afford to be a little more vulnerable. First time I've used that word in this dialogue. Uh, Vulnerability becomes an important consideration when deciding that you want growth, personal growth and development. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you allow yourself to be vulnerable, and by vulnerability I don't mean totally exposed to someone abusing you. I'm saying vulnerability in terms of accepting feedback mm-hmm. because feedback is neither uh, positive nor negative. It's, it's all how you take it. And number one, which is even ahead of that, more importantly, is who you select to provide that feedback to you. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think um, uh, uh, communicating with a colleague is in many cases, consistent with communicating with the boss, probably with one exception. And the one exception, and again, this is organization-based that I would make, has to do with if you're in a highly structured, productivity-oriented environment where human contribution is important but not highlighted, then it is, it is more of a production-oriented environment, and therefore the leadership usually wants to have discussions only around performance-based measurements or metrics. Mm -hmm. That's neither bad nor good. It's just a definition of the organization you've chosen to work with. Mm -hmm. If, on the other hand, you work in an environment where uh, people have an equal footing with productivity, then sharing goals, dreams, belief with a boss may be totally consistent with the same discussion that you would have with a colleague. So I would say that the level of openness with which you operate inside of an environment is totally dependent on the existing leadership mm-hmm. and whether organizationally they support um, employees to have open, candid relationships and discussions about themselves in a holistic way as opposed to simply as a, as a unit of production, a measure of productivity. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, it just means that, you know, you have to have an organization that has a strong talent management program. Exactly. And a lot of companies are committed to, as you mentioned, producing, but not necessarily on developing talent within an organization. And I think some of the more competitive organizations that at least that I've worked with, especially on the Fortune 500 level, are those uh, organizations that that encourage their employees to actually not just work within their function, but to actually step out of their current role, maybe even temporarily on special assignments for a couple of months at a time, and work in different business units so that they can get a more well-rounded perspective of how the company works. It makes them more valuable in their role and to the department that they work in. Well, actually, that that is a, a significant development in place kind of, of, of process that from a uh, sequential experiential standpoint makes a lot of sense for two people. Number one, the person who is being developed and equally as important to the organization because now they have Mm cross-trained and given a sneak peek 
of the inter-organizational requirements for effectiveness for that organization. So I applaud the leadership that does that. Um, unfortunately, that is not true of all companies. <laughs> mm-hmm. no, that's true. I've, I've definitely seen the difference in various companies that I've uh, done work with. And uh, one of the other very progressive things that some of the Fortune 500 companies do is obviously invest in in uh, allowing their employees to get hefty tuition reimbursement or even paying for uh, MBA programs. Oh, that that is, that is you know what, that is so um, important and significant in terms of personal development and growth. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a number of institutions nationally that serve that role. I know that the universities in a big way mm-hmm. have done that. Uh, Wharton School has certainly taken a leadership role. Uh, I have uh, studied with the Center for uh, Executive Leadership, uh, the Center for Creative Leadership, rather, uh, which is uh, in North Carolina and in San Diego. And they have excellent programs for developing people for the next level. Um, that That is probably uh, one of the areas that I learned a lot, and it caused me to do further analysis and study in terms of how executives or people who want to be executives get derailed and one of the areas of study that is really not covered in most universities but is an important element of, uh, of promotability has to do with the area of understanding your uh, EQ, which is your emotional quotient. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, again, we live in an environment and we work in an environment. And in order to have a healthy progressive environment, we ought to consider all facets of what composes an individual contributor. And certainly their ability to produce and perform is one of them but it's also their ability to be emotionally, I'll use the word, stable and efficient Mm -hmm. in terms of their uh, communicating abilities inside of the entire organization. Um, You know, a statistic that I'll share with you is that uh, EQ is is so critical to success that it accounts for uh, about 58% of uh, performance in all types of jobs. Mm-hmm. So um, if, if you're missing that emotional component of being effective and communicating with people at all levels, you are probably going to get derailed in being effective and you will usually stay in an individual contributor role. Mm-hmm. Um, and so promotability could be very difficult under those circumstances. Right, and that's uh, definitely, I think, something that uh, us women have to continue to develop, especially when women tend to get emotional uh, in the workplace. And I think that that's something that they have to learn to manage a little bit better uh, so that they can get ahead. Ellie, that's, uh, that's uh, so, so very true. Um, you know, if, if, if I may suggest at this point, for those people interested, in, and, I, and I have no affiliation with this company or the individuals, but there's a great little book uh, called Emotional Intelligence 2.0 mm-hmm. um, by Travis uh, Bradbury. Travis is T-R-A-V-I-S, and then Bradbury, B-R-A-D, B-E-R-R-Y, that really helps individuals explore uh, emotional intelligence, not only in the workplace, but also in the home environment. Mm. And uh, I encourage that as a great reference tool and book for those people wanting to know more about themselves. Great. So, Miguel, our last question is, what are some of the skills that an emerging leader uh, may tend to rely on that they'll have to do away with? when they move into a management role? <laughs> That's another great question. Um, one, uh, I'll, I'll use the phrase, um, wanting to be seen and treated as a buddy and not as a leader or manager. Yeah. Uh, it's a conflict. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. because when most people join an organization, they develop relationships at the level that they're at with people around them that may or may not be able to assist them reach the next level of promotability. Mm-hmm. It's decision time. Um, you're going to have to make choices as an individual. Are these people going to help you develop for your next position? And if not, why not? And if they can, ask them to help you in those areas. But for the most part, you're, as an individual, you're going to have to do a self-assessment and say, hmm, what are the key values that I need to have at the next level that I'm seeking to gain? Mm-hmm. And, and is my, are my current relationships going to help me get there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, individuals have difficulty separating buddy versus leadership and management. Right. And they come into conflict. Mm-hmm. Uh, it involves them very basically having a coach or a mentor, someone who's willing to give them feedback and assess the relationships they currently have and cause them to think, Are, am I hanging out with the wrong people? Do mm-hmm. I have confidences with the wrong people or people who can't help me get to the next level? Right. Um, the other piece of it, the second piece of it that I think becomes an important uh, consideration for emerging leaders is um, are you being seen throughout the organization? Again, I'm reverting back to people who you know from your current job, etc., as having favorites in the organization. Mm. Um, in some circles it's called cronyism. In some circles it's called favoritism, all of which are all negatives. There's nothing positive about that. Mm-hmm. So when C-suite, corporate-level executives are making promotion decisions, they want to know that the people they're talking to are capable of accomplishing two things. Number one, maintaining the great relationships that they have with people that either used to work with them or report to them. But equally as important, being able to separate performance from, again, what could be viewed as favoritism in tough situations where uh, you may have to um, give some feedback to a friend, an associate, that saw you grow up in the organization that may not be, um, in the short term, viewed as positive by them. Mm-hmm. Notice I said short term, because it all depends on your EQ, emotional right. quotient. How do you deliver that message? Will they still respect you at the end? Will they feel great about their self-esteem upon receiving that feedback? So I think, I think those are probably two of the key elements, two components that people need to be sensitive to as they develop skills into that emerging leadership role. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not to say that you can't be friendly in the workplace. It just means that you have to maintain healthy and appropriate boundaries so that you can manage those relationships in the workplace more effectively. I, I, I think you used a wonderful term, and that is boundaries. And those boundaries clearly have to be established and set. Um, if I can relate to you a personal story, um, you know, my first leadership and management role uh, involved me uh, in a leadership role with people that I used to work with. We were peers, mm. and we still were at the end of the day. But I sat down very clearly and precisely with every one of them and reviewed with them the relationship that we had, both on the job and off the job, because we visit each other in our homes. We were friends. Mm-hmm. And But I needed to get confirmation from them on two things. Number one, 
that they would continue to be individual contributors to the highest level and the highest order. That's number one. So I asked them that question, and they said, of course, even in my new role. Mm -hmm. And I also said to them that our friendship, uh, personal and business, um, should never interfere with performance on the job. Mm -hmm. And if they valued our relationship, they would never let let that become an issue. So the person responsible for setting the tone was me. Right. And to a person, which was eight people, they all said, never happen. We will never intentionally go about the process of either underachieving or underperforming because mm-hmm. we didn't used to before. <laughs> so why would we start now? Mm-hmm. And secondarily, uh, I got confirmation that they understood, Don't please don't ever confuse taking care of business with our personal relationship. Mm-hmm. It never happened. What, but I had to have that conversation, Ellie, if it makes sense. It does make sense, and I think that in a lot of situations when you might get a promotion above your peers and now they're either reporting to you or they have to work with you in your new role, I think people will test that relationship. Mm-hmm. And you have to hold firm in your new role and still not violating the relationship but making sure that they understand what your new role is and how you're going to have to interact moving forward. Absolutely. And your true friends, by the way, will never violate or disappoint you in the area of performance Mm -hmm. because they value the relationship so much that it will never be an issue. Right. Miguel, thank you so much. It's always wonderful to have you on the show and the perspective that you provide to our listeners. Definitely we've got to have you on again. Ellie, I appreciate the opportunity, and if I can, I do have a, a, a Facebook uh, location, if I can comment on it. Absolutely. Yes, for those who might want to uh, join me on Facebook, uh, my address is uh, facebook.com forward slash Miguel. So, Ellie, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to assist you and your listeners and uh, bring in the new year of 2011 in a grateful and very prosperous way. Great. And to all my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the program, please go onto the Leadership Strategies for Women page on Facebook and drop me a note. Until next time, God bless.